Welcome to the Guidelines Podcast. Today's episode is about the weird and wonderful world of job titles within the UX industry. So I thought I'd start off with listing out some of the current job titles that I've been able to find whilst looking up this topic of the internet. And these are some of the ones that stood out to me. Product designer, interaction designer, customer experience designer, user experience designer, UX writer, content strategist, information architect, user researcher, service designer, UX UI designer, UX strategist, visual designer, UX designer, UI designer, motion designer, unicorn, experience designer, UX analyst, UX UI engineer, and UX UI developer. It would be completely understandable that someone new coming into the UX industry, either as someone who's just got their first job within UX or for someone who's considering moving into UX, either somebody who's going to shift from an existing career or a student who's done a degree in design now wants to move into a job in UX, it would be completely understandable if someone were to not know what to do and what job to apply for and why to apply for and what experience they should have. What I found so interesting about this is as someone who's been working in UX since 2017, I still find these job titles are confusing. And you go on the internet and you look at interviews with masters in the industry and there's there doesn't seem to be consensus on this. And these job titles seem to change pretty regularly. So this podcast is going out to anybody who's confused about job titles within UX. And I hope that by the end of this episode, you have a bit more clarity about what these titles mean, why they actually aren't so important, and how to practically go ahead getting the experience that you need to get a job working in UX. Firstly, I think that's very important when looking at job titles, is to understand the context that these job titles exist in. It's very different in a team-to-team basis. Small teams will have more general roles that encompass a whole bunch of things that do different aspects of the product design process. Whereas large companies will specialize and you'll have people working on specific things. Maybe they'll just focus on user experience research. Maybe they'll just focus on prototyping. Whereas within a small team, within an agency, you'll have people working on everything. They'll do the research, they'll do the wireframing, they'll do the design, the the visual design, and then they'll go and do prototyping. They'll do interactions with the client. You really need to understand and consider each context which these job titles are being mentioned. I think the thing to understand is that the patterns that exist within UX and within the tech industry are not unique to the tech industry. So let's take the example of a large shopping center versus a small corner grocery or spaza shop. Let's just say the the corner grocery is a mom and pop store that's run by the family and maybe they have a couple of employees. You would find in that smaller business that there is a lot of roles that cross over with each other. You'll find that that one day the dad might be manning the till and interacting with customers, whereas the next day he might be balancing the books, whereas the day after that he might be stoking the fire, make sure that the bread has been made just right. Okay, so a lot of roles get intermingled and crossed with each other. Now, if you contrast this with a large chain store, such as pick and pay, you'll have specialists within specific roles. You'll have people that work at the tills and interact with clients. 
on a day-to-day basis, and they can get very fast and efficient at doing that. You have people that pack the shelves. You have people that manage those people. You have people that organize stock and how it's supplied. You have cleaners that move throughout the aisles. Now, a lot of the same jobs are being done. However, there's less crossover, and the people doing their jobs are specialists in what they do. And that's where a lot of this confusion comes in, because what we'll do is that as South Africans, we'll, we'll look to we'll look to like Silicon Valley and we'll look at the way that, that companies are hiring in uh, designers within those spaces where they have thousands, <laughs> look at like IBM, you have thousands of designers being hired into a team. And the, the needs of IBM and them hiring large amount designers or Facebook or Apple or Microsoft, their needs are going to be very different to an agency within South Africa, or even companies like like Vodacom and Discovery, the design maturity of your company and the amount of people working in design dictates the titles that are used within that context. And I think it's very important to understand that, that UX designer may mean one thing within an agency, but it may mean something else entirely within a large tech company in the States. And that might differ from what's happening in Europe to versus what's happening in the East. So because job titles are highly context specific, it's far more useful to have a broader understanding of the fundamentals of a human-centered design approach, like we discussed in the last episode of Guidelines with ISO 9241. And within that, have an understanding of the broad categories of roles that a designer might play within these multidisciplinary human-centered design teams and the types of deliverables that they typically hand over. So this first point that we've spoken about is that of context, that you need to understand the location and the type of company you're working in. And within that context, the job titles mean different things. Next up, I'd like to speak about categorization. And I have a couple of points around this, but I'd like to introduce this topic by reading a section from a book I'm reading at the moment called Lila, An Inquiry into Morals by Robert Persick. And it's got a section that I think really brings this point together very well. I'm going to read it to you now. Early zoologists classified as mammals those that suckle their young and as reptiles those that lay eggs. When a duck-billed platypus was discovered in Australia, laying eggs like a perfect reptile, and then, when they were hatched, suckling the infant platypi like a perfect mammal. The discovery created quite the sensation. What an enigma, it was exclaimed. What a mystery, what a marvel of nature. When the first stuffed specimens reached England from Australia around the end of the 18th century, they were thought to be fakes, made by sticking together bits of different animals. Even today, you still see the occasional articles in nature magazines asking, why does this paradox of nature exist? The answer is, it doesn't. The platypus isn't doing anything paradoxical at all. It isn't having any problems. Platypi have been laying eggs and suckling their young for millions of years before there were any zoologists to come along and declare it illegal. The real mystery, the real enigma, is how mature, objective, trained scientific observers can blame their own goof on a poor, innocent platypus. Zoologists, to cover up their problem, had to invent a patch. They created a new order, monotremata, that includes the platypus, the spiny anteater, and that's it. This is like a nation consisting of two people. Because they can't classify it, the experts have claimed that there is something wrong with it. 
The world comes to us in an endless stream of puzzle pieces that we like to think all fit together somehow, but that in fact never do. There are always some pieces, like platypi, that don't fit, and we can either ignore these pieces, or we can give them silly explanations, or we can take the whole puzzle apart and try other ways of assembling it that will include more of them. When one takes the whole ill-shaped, misfitting structure of a subject-object-explaining universe apart and puts it back together in a value-centered metaphysics, all kinds of orphaned puzzle pieces fit beautifully that never fit before. UX's equivalent of orphaned puzzle pieces is job titles, and how they fit into the user-centered process that we went through in the last episode of Guidelines on ISO 9241210. ISO has not changed. The standard for human-centered design still exists. I found this section really interesting because I think the UX industry is in a similar conundrum. Let's take the example of UX versus UI and call the UX designer the mammal and call the UI designer uh, the reptile. I love how UX founder Andy Budd puts it. Common logic would suggest that if you design a UI and a person experiences a product through the UI, that would make you a user experience designer. However, this would also imply that designing your own home makes you an architect and fixing a tap makes you a plumber. Often the words you use to describe a discipline end up being divorced from their original meanings. For instance, architect literally meant head mason and plumber means lead worker, two names which clearly no longer articulate or explain what this profession does. So our very own platypus who's someone who does a bit of UX, does a bit of UI, and we don't know what to do with them, so we call them UX UI designers. But that doesn't make sense. UX is a process. It's not a job title. It's not a deliverable. How can someone be a UX UI designer? The reality is, is that long before we started calling designers UX designers versus UI designers, people were already doing the kinds of deliverables that these roles are now doing. They were doing research, they were doing interaction design, they were doing visual design, they were handing over prototypes, wireframes, uh, information architecture. These are not new deliverables, these have been established since the beginning of computing and have been refined since then. And a lot of these refinements have been happening within large corporates, specifically the large tech companies, where there's a demand for designers, but that demand is not able to be met because of a lack of designers. So what you do is you take the job title that you want and you break it up from one into two or from one into four. And slowly you start to have research teams emerge and UX teams emerge and interaction design teams emerge and prototyping teams. And all of these roles are servicing the needs of the corporate. When the term UX was defined by Don Norman at Apple in the 90s, UX meant A different thing to what it means now, UX was this all-encompassing experience of a product. It's how it was perceived in the media. It's how it was approached in the store. It's what that first interaction was like when you opened up the lid of your Mac for the first time. It was the size of the box and how you got it into the car. It was the service plan. If there was an issue, how would you get it fixed? It was the way that you got software onto the computer. 
It's all these little pieces working together to create a full user experience of a product. Not wireframes, not prototyping, not research. It's all of these things coming together. A good product has a good user experience. And that considers every aspect of a product. So how can you call someone a UX UI designer? It doesn't make sense. Calling somebody a UX UI designer is the same trap that these zoologists fell into. We cannot have a nation of one, of a job title called UX UI designer because our definitions are mammals and reptiles, UX and UI designers. Now that we have this understanding that context can often determine what these job titles mean, as well as approaching our work from a title perspective instead of a verb doing perspective is actually unhelpful and can lead to confusion. Job titles change, but the human-centered process doesn't. Therefore, we need to focus on understanding the fundamentals of human-centered design and how we can apply it in our day-to-day -day work. So, with that said, I'd like to wrap things up with three broad categories of job roles that exist within the human-centered design process. And then give examples of the kind of work that those roles do. We can look at those roles, understand them, and then you can look at job requests that are being put out and you can actually understand what they're actually asking you to do. What is the broad thing that they're asking and how you can fit into the human-centered process not just doing one small piece of the pie. So those three broad categories are research, experience and interaction design, followed by visual design. Starting off with research. Research is the work that goes into understanding the people who will use the product, the needs of the business, as well as any relevant processes and systems in which the product will operate. Some of the skills associated with designers working within a research capacity include the planning of quantitative and qualitative research. This would involve creating research screeners and recruiting participants. So making sure that you're speaking to the right people. Which users are you bringing out and why are you speaking to them? Then once you have the right people, how are you going to be testing them? So you would be writing discussion guides and putting together usability testing scripts to guide the usability testing session. You would be conducting those research sessions, conducting research interviews and moderating those usability testing sessions. Once you've done them, you would then analyze your findings. You would go through those recordings. You would go through those, um, those interviews with the users, see how they use your products and draw out understandings and trends from that, which you would then present back as actionable recommendations for stakeholders and product teams. This could look like creating journey maps of the customer experience, creating personas and other relevant research documents that help all contributors maintain constant focus on who the users are. Designers working in research work closely with designers and product owners to ensure research is being interpreted correctly and utilized in the product development process. Following research, the next broad category that designers will work in when following a human-centered design process is experience and interaction design. This is work that integrates the research of people, businesses and processes into a product design and experience. It is not limited to what happens on the website or the app, but is rather the sum of all of the interactions which could happen via email, 
in person, in store, in the app, every single aspect of the whole experience of using a product. Some of the skills associated with an experience and interaction designer would be collaborating with stakeholders to identify the larger business goals. This could include introductory exploratory meetings with stakeholders to identify current pain points, future state, business requirements, budget, timelines. Essentially, in this planning stage, you're trying to understand the broader scope of the project. In addition to collaborating with stakeholders, designers working in experience interaction design will establish the product experience through journey maps and user flows. What this basically means is you look at every step that a user would interact with the product and you try and figure out design solutions to optimize that experience. Another skill associated with experience interaction designers would be brainstorming various product directions and creating low fidelity wireframes. That beginning stage of a product life cycle is such a tender stage and it can go wherever it needs to go, but you need to have a team that's able to facilitate the broad thinking that needs to take place in order to create great, great products. What can prohibit quality product design is heading off in the wrong direction without doing the solid background work to make sure that you are in fact heading in the right direction and designing for a human-centered design approach that meets users' needs. And a way of doing that is brainstorming product directions and figuring out what, what could we do and why are we doing it and subsequently creating low fidelity wireframes that test out all of these ideas in a way that's cheap. Once these ideas have been brainstormed, you can create mid and high fidelity wireframe, depending on the needs of the project. So it all comes down to budget and timelines, especially within an agency context. You will fit as much of the human-centered design process into the budget and timelines that you can. And this will determine the fidelity of the wireframes you put together, from low to mid to high. In addition to building wireframes and understanding why the product is going to exist and what it's going to achieve, Designers working in experience interaction design need to understand visual design principles of hierarchy, alignment, composition, grids, balance, and layout. There needs to be an understanding about the principles of good design. Something that I've been thinking about recently is Dieter Rams's principles of good design. Good design is innovative. It makes a product useful. It's aesthetic. It makes the product understandable. It's unobtrusive. It's honest. It's long-lasting. It's thorough down to the very last detail. It's environmentally friendly, and it's as little design as possible. It's important that designers working in experience interaction design understand these fundamental tenets of design, as well as the principles of graphic design, how to create flow, how to create hierarchy, alignment, composition, etc. These wireframes that they've created, these low to mid to high fidelity wireframes, can be converted into prototypes. One of the easiest way to test ideas is to throw up an idea in Figma or Sketch, make it clickable and put it in front of a user. Ask them to move around in it to achieve certain tasks and see if they can. While it's cheap to do so, test out the quality of your ideas. Once these ideas have been put together, these wireframes, these prototypes, this is where collaboration with visual designers uh, comes in. This is to ensure that the intended experience is achieved once the visual design is given to the rest of the product design team. This could also include collaborating with researchers to develop tests to evaluate the product experience. Design is never done. You look at an operating system like iOS, and you'll notice that year after year after year, Apple goes through this process of refining and better understanding and testing a release 
once it's been out in the wild to see whether it's working or whether it's not, how it can be improved. So it's very important to look back and evaluate a product after it's been designed to test that product experience. Finally, a pivotal part of experience interaction design is presenting designs justifying design decisions and helping stakeholders continue in the design process. UX is not about superstar designers. UX is a team sport. It's a team sport and involving all the stakeholders involved in a project, bringing them together, educating them, sharing a common understanding, bringing multidisciplinary teams together to build great products. And a key member within that is experienced interaction designers who bring together uh, their understanding and present it in a way that's palatable to stakeholders. The third broad category that designers can work in within a human-centered design process is that of visual design. Now once the experience and interactions are defined, visual design is the work that makes the product come to life. It's about what it looks like. However, I would also include roles encompassing aspects like voice design and UX writing within this area. Common skills associated with visual design are developing the visual identity as it relates to the product experience. This is why roles like marketing and brand and graphic design and UI design all come into this role. What visual designers will also do is translate the wireframes that the experience and interaction designers have given to them. They'll translate those into visually designed screens, including all the interaction states of the experience. Bottom up, bottom down, modal up, modal down, all the different states that a design might be in. Animation is one of the unsung heroes of user experience design. I love how Apple communicates this in their human interface guidelines for iOS. Beautiful, subtle animation throughout iOS builds a visual sense of connection between people and content on screen. When used appropriately, animation can convey status, provide feedback, enhance the sense of direct manipulation, and help users visualize the results of their actions. So many designers working in visual design will consider the animations used within a product and how those contribute to the user experience of a product. Another skill associated with designers working in visual design could be that of creating interactive prototypes to model crucial parts of the product experience. So as mentioned previously, designers working in experience and interaction design roles will create varying degrees of fidelity wireframes. Now those will be mapping out processes However, you can bring in designers working in visual design to focus on specific aspects of a product to create an even more interactive, in-depth and immersive prototype to effectively communicate that to stakeholders. For example, the new gesture system within iOS and iPadOS, the fluidity of it, of moving back and forward, is a great example of animation used within a product. That idea would have been refined and created by the experienced interaction designers. However, visual designers would have collaborated with those designers in order to create highly interactive prototypes of those wireframes. In order to create these interactive prototypes, visual designers will collaborate with experienced interaction designers to solve challenges within the experienced design. And I think there will be stages within a product where these two design roles will work literally side by side, desk to desk, trying to bounce ideas back and forth, leaning on each other's strengths 
to create higher fidelity representations of ideas, to get the ideas out quickly so that they can be established, tested, and then brought into the product life cycle. So once these ideas have been created and they've been, the stakeholders have been brought into it, uh, visual designers will often work with research teams to create usability test cases evaluating the experience. So as we spoke about in that first research example, one of the key roles that a researcher will do is decide not only who to interview, but how to interview them. And some of this will be done spending time with visual designers, understanding how this prototype works, understanding um, what are the key things to test, and visual designers will help with that process. After those tests have been done, visual designers will help with the understanding and evaluating the research findings to improve the experience design. And once again, there's this collaboration that's taking place. It's interaction designers sitting with visual designers. Now we have visual designers sitting with researchers, iterating and changing, and this team working back and forth in a multidisciplinary fashion. In addition to collaborating with researchers and interaction designers, visual designers will often collaborate with engineers to ensure that their visual design translates into the final experience. In order to best collaborate with engineers on the current project as well as future projects, visual designers will often establish design guidelines, style guides, and design systems to create designs that can easily be replicated to increase the speed of ideas being put out. Additionally, visual designers will consider the responsiveness of a product across all the devices the user might use it on, as well as how accessibility will affect the usefulness of a product to users. So in summary, many of these job titles are highly context dependent. What one job title may mean within the context of an agency may mean something completely different in the context of a large corporate. It is important to consider where a job title sits within the human-centered design process as well as within the business needs. And bringing it all together, there are three broad categories of skills that a designer might have within a human-centered design process. And those would be research, interaction and experience design, and finally, visual design. I'd like to end off today's episode by speaking about a product that I recently heard about called the Synhydro UX watch. And basically this is a, a diving watch made by a watch company called Syn. It's interesting because the actual watch face says UX on it. What they've done is that they filled the interior of the watch with oil so that when you're underwater, you don't get this glare that you'd normally get as a diver. This is a watch made specifically for divers. And so that when you're underwater, when you look at your watch, you don't get that glare that you'd get if you didn't look directly at the watch. So if you're looking at an angle, you'd still be able to see the time. You'd still be able to see all the information that you need to see on your watch face. It says on the website that it's absolutely free from fogging. It's pressure resistant at any accessible diving depth and perfectly readable from any angle underwater. I think it's quite exciting to see UX is becoming the de facto standard on how design should be done no matter what industry. And I think we'll start to see this more and more. So this product really excites me. It's cool to see UX being applied and actually put on the screen of a watch that um, considers how the user is going to be using it whilst diving underwater. So this episode's UX inspiration is the Sin Hydro UX Diving Watch.
Thank you so much for listening. If you learned something from this episode and would like to hear more episodes in the future, please subscribe and consider leaving a comment so that other people can find this content. If you have any questions and would like me to answer them on an upcoming episode, go into the show notes where you can find a link to my Twitter page where you can ask me any questions that you have or even leave a voice note using the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to keep the user right where they should be first.